So we're in the middle of a sermon mini-series, which is not, because I'm going to actually preach about um, spiritual disciplines next week too, it just kind of turned into a full series, (laughs) right? Um, But this sermon uh, is about confession, which for some of us is a weird thing to talk about because it makes us feel a bit squeamish, Um, but that's okay. It's all right to be squeamish together. That's what we do. We're family, and we do squeamish things together. So um, the title of the sermon is Calm the Storm, and um, we'll be in Psalm 32 and in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to pray first. I also wanted to say this. I didn't, uh, didn't say it in the announcement video, but there, in terms of giving, if you've been around for a while, you know how the giving process works. But for those of us who are perhaps new to Unison or have only this is their first time here, there's a couple of different ways that you can give. You can give online um, uh, with just at unisongr.com. There's a giving link there. Um, and then also, too, there is a way to give in the back if you want to um, participate with worship through giving that way. There's a black box right by the tech booth. So I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in. So our Father, our God, we know you are with us. Um, And it's a beautiful thing to feel your presence in our time of worship together. Um, And Lord, that's not something that changes when we start talking about offering and, (laughs) and confession. Your presence is still here. And so, Holy Spirit, move in us in such a way, God, that we glorify you in our fellowship, but also, Lord, that our lives are transformed by your word. God, not by popular opinion, not even by my opinion, but by your word, may our lives be transformed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, The last time I preached about confession was April of 2019. Um, And uh, and actually, it's the same portion of scripture that I'm coming out of because I went through that, um, went through the notes. I was like, ooh, Holy Spirit, that's good. (laughs) Like, man, you knew what you were talking about. (laughs) So... um, so when we, as we dive into this, y'all know how I roll, like we got to go through the, the whole psalm. To get what's going on in a psalm, you have to actually go through the whole thing. But there'll be some pictures that I'll throw up on the screen as well. Thank you, Mary, for being back there to throw them pictures up. Um, that Because there's portions in psalm that say either selah or interlude, right, depending upon what version of scripture you have, and That simply means rest. It means breath. Take a pause. Don't keep moving. Stop. And that's what we're going to actually do. Now, it won't be long, but we'll do that as we're reading this together. So in Psalm 32, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Selah. 
There's a lot happening even in those first couple of verses. Many of us don't, it's not popular to talk about confession. It's just not. And if we've not come from a Catholic background, we don't have a regular rhythm of confession. And there's other Christian backgrounds too where there's a person that's, that you go to, a priest that you go to, and you will confess, and then they will remind you that you have received the grace of God, right? It's not that they themselves absolve your sin, but as a sister or brother in Christ, we do have authority to tell one another, Christ has forgiven you, right? That's really what's happening in that moment. Let's keep moving. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Selah. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Selah. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Yee! Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. While there's a number of different themes going on in this portion of scripture, a primary theme here is, of course, this idea of the turmoil that the author is experiencing because of not confessing. And I don't know if if you've ever been walking with Jesus and you've not experienced that yet, What great-grandmother says, just keep living. (laughs) We have those moments where we we know there's something that is icky, aki, nasty going on. And there's a part of us that wants to not say that out loud to God. That's the same part that we inherited from our first mother and father, Adam and Eve. If you remember in the garden, right, they were told don't eat the fruit. They ate the fruit. And the very next thing they did was hide. It's not just you. If you feel like it's just you that struggles with confession, literally every human on the planet struggles with confession. Anyone who's ever been here struggles with confession. There's something about what it is to know that I've been sullied or I've been dirtied or I've been messied. And a perfect God has to still see me. And my initial reaction to that is, I just don't want you to look at it. It's not just you. It's not just you. 
Let that sink in for a second. It's not just you. Because one of the tricks of the enemy is to make you believe that you're the only one struggling with struggling. You're the only one struggling with guilt. So go off and be by yourself, Chase, because you've earned being by yourself. It's literally all of us. We all wrestle in this place. And that's really what this psalm is about. There's a joy that comes when I know that I can be messy in front of God. And he doesn't, he's not afraid of that. He's okay with mud. He made us out of it. He's okay with dirt. He's okay with things being nasty. So the first thing that I think that we have to allow settle in, confessing, doesn't inform God. <laughs> it calms an inner storm in me. God already knows. He came down like when, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, it was not like he was unsure of what had happened. <laughs> There's an inner storm going on inside of us. Notice I, have, I, I am defaulting to the idea of we mess up. I Listen, if you so saved that you haven't tripped over anything in the last 10 months, teach me your ways, oh guru. <laughs> like, I'm just be real. It's okay. We're human. That's a part of what it is to be family is that we get to be vulnerable and say that we mess up and that's okay. Confession does not inform God of something he's not already aware of. It calms what's inside of me, that insecurity that's inside of me that says I can't go to him. And here's the thing. If I continue in a pattern of not confessing and running away, running away, something inside of me goes off and says, you know, Chase, you shouldn't even pray today. Because you know how God feels about what that is. So don't even worry about praying today because he's not listening anyway. That's a trick of the enemy. And the whole point is that storm is just drifting us further and further and further from the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. And he already knows already anyway. So just say it out loud and calm the storm in you. Right. But another interesting portion of scripture is James. I say interesting because of where confession shows up in this portion of scripture, James chapter five, if your Bible has like subheaders, <laughs> the subheader in James chapter five is the power of prayer, right? That, so some of you, like it says something about prayer there. It says in chapter five, verse 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. 
See what I mean by that's interesting? We're talking about prayer. We're talking about people being healed. We're talking about people being happy. We're talking about people singing. And confess your sins to one another. There's no clear indication in Scripture as to why James went there. That's okay. Right? That's all right for us to say that what logical thinking people can come to that conclusion. When we look at the pattern of what scripture is and when we read commentaries and dictionaries, there's no clear indication of why James went there. But there are some things that we can see in scripture that some patterns of the way that James, the author, may have thought. It was a common thought, not just then, but even now all over the world, that sin, unresolved sin, is a part of it, it ends up becoming sickness in our bodies. That's why do I know that? Because all if you read Job, the, like every all of his friends and even his wife, like you clearly sinned against God and you just need to go on and say what you did. And like, yo, I didn't do anything. You did something, Job. I didn't do anything. You did something, Job. Right. That's throughout Scripture. There's also this idea, James is an incredibly linear thinker. Like when you read James, it's kind of like, I call it like the, 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 the manual to Christian living and that it's just like, do this, do this, and do this. Don't do that, don't do that, and don't do this. You're good, right? He's a very linear thinker. And so a part of why James writes this way is because of that belief and that understanding that sin leads to sickness. So if any of you are sick, a part of our prayer needs to also be confess your sins. I'm going to pause right there. James is a linear thinker. He doesn't always get all of the nuances in James. It's okay for us to know that not all sickness is the result of sin. It's okay. That's not even what James is saying. He's just being linear. Right. We also know that through scripture, too. Right. Jesus healed a lame man. They asked him, what was your sin or what was your parents saying? Like, ain't nobody sin here. He was just born that way. Right. It's OK. We know that not all sin leads to sickness. But something that we also know. Is unresolved inner storms. Can manifest themselves in our body. And we, we have enough counselors and mental health coaches that have been able to tell us that that's the pattern. If you have unresolved stuff going inside of you for years, it shows up in your body. So while, yes, we're not, we're not going to say every sickness is a result of sin, we're also not going to pretend that if you've got unresolved stuff inside of you, that perhaps that's what you're experiencing when you can't sleep. And when you can't sleep, that impacts our health, fam. We know that. Confess your sins. Many of us are asking for God to do things in our lives. And it's, it's not his way to just keep saying, you know you did that wrong. And you know you did that wrong. And you know you did that wrong. And you know you did that wrong. But let's not miss the just God that we serve that says, listen, I designed your body to be the constant reminder of the thing inside of you. I don't have to keep saying it. Your lack of sleep is saying it for me. I don't have to keep saying it. 
that thing inside of your stomach is saying it for me. And if you would just practice the spiritual discipline of confessing, daughter, son, you'll experience a peace that also can make way for some settling your body. Confession clears a pathway for peace. When we really want to think about the spiritual discipline of confession, it's not just because if I don't say it out loud, God won't forgive me, and if God doesn't forgive me, then I'm going to hell. No, that's not a thing. If you want to experience fullness of life right now, confession is a piece of that puzzle. If we want to experience fullness of life, Getting that which is the inner storm inside of me out is important. Last thing is confession isn't for just when after I've sinned. <laughs> confession is from when I'm also being tempted. Amen. 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 And that's actually the real beauty. Here's it. Let's, you know, we get to be real humans with one another. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, I literally never have to tell anybody when I've sinned. Right? I don't have to. I do because it's actually good for me, but I don't have to. But let me tell you something that is actually important for us to recognize. When I have trusted people around me whom I can tell I'm struggling with the temptation to dot, dot, dot. I take back the power that the enemy is trying to have over me and I bring it into the light. And then at that point, I have home court advantage, right? That's the beauty of confession is home court advantage. Confession before I sin. I'm going to just tell somebody right now. I'm going to just text them. Look, I really want to look at some pornography and just stop here. What? Y'all know who I am. You know the journey. I thank God that I haven't had that be a part of my life for the last 10 years. However, (laughs) there was a time in my life where that was my life. And even to this day, I have to text somebody, look, it's been a hard week. I feel like looking at dot, 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 send. So that they can pray with me. So that I have home court advantage. And so I don't have this inner storm inside of me giving me ideas of things to search. This is how that works, family. You have that too. But we don't often take the opportunity. So get from behind the tree. It's okay. The father already knows. And telling your sister or brother, a trusted, loving sister or brother will not kill you. In fact, it will settle the storm inside of you. So I need to confess something before we go into our family meeting. (laughs) Most of you know that I really want a Tesla. (laughs) Okay. Okay, don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I'm confessing. Okay, I'm confessing. I really want one. 
Okay? It's not just because of the bells and whistles. I can give you lots of reasons why, but I just want one. And like in the beginning of March, I was like, here it is. This is the year. Boom. I'm going to have a Tesla in six months. So I have literally applied for every single giveaway. <laughs> I have auditioned for America's Got Talent, for Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> for Family Feud, and The Price is Right. <laughs> Ty said, let it go. <laughs> And there was a moment while I was driving my car, which I'm going to be honest, I continue to affirm that I am content and really grateful for how God has provided for our family. That's not what it is for me to want a Tesla, just I want one. And so, and so I was driving and the Holy Spirit said, you know, you haven't asked me for that yet. And I was like, wait a minute. No, yes, I did. I prayed. And I'm like, I felt like I had the, good, the green light. That's not what I said. You didn't ask me to give it to you. Like, I was like, well, cause you already gave us two cars. We're good. Like, I don't, you st you're trying real hard to get this and you haven't asked me. And then I was like, here's the truth, God. When we lost the theater project here at Unison, I stopped asking God for really big things that are not exactly what I need because I feel vulnerable asking God for something like that and trusting that he will provide that. And I feel like if I don't have to ask, then I won't be disappointed with God. I'm just confessing. That was the inner storm inside of me, right? And I know that I'm not the only one who's ever felt that before, right? I'm saying out loud that after I said that, whew, peace. Do I still want a Tesla? Yeah. Am I applying for every single giveaway? No. Am I waiting potentially and, tr and even still working through what that is to ask God for something like that when I know I don't need it, but I just want it? Yeah. I am still working through that. I haven't landed yet. That's not the point of why I'm confessing. I'm confessing <sighs> peace. I'm gonna pray for you all and then we'll transition. So Father God, you've given us the tool of confession. Not because it resolves everything, but it is a pathway to peace. And yes, you can miraculously give me peace. But you most often use what disciplines and laws you've already put in effect to grant us peace and favor. And so, Lord, this is a discipline that you've put in effect. Confession. While our hearts race and we get squeamish, we still... Settle into the discipline of confession because of its good, not because it always feels good. Give us courage and even wisdom and discipline to start with small things and then wake our way up. We trust you with it. 
and receive the peace that comes along with it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.